remind us throughout the week of Christ being the eternal king who came to rescue us. Well, as we start the new year, we're going to start this morning by thinking about the topic of prayer. Because it's a good reminder for us as we serve the exalted king, the one who is above all, we're reminded of our utter need and dependence upon him. And so as we begin, I just want to read a verse. I just want you to listen right now. We'll work through the text in a minute, but just listen. And what comes to mind when, when you hear these often familiar words of Jesus? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. When people hear this, different, different things happen in different people's minds. Some people hear Jesus say, ask, seek, and knock. And their response is going to be, great, I've been wanting a new car, bigger house, my raise, my new job, great. Jesus said, ask, and I got it coming. That's the way some people respond to that. Some people go, well, of course, God always does everything I ask. You know, there's people actually write that and teach that, and so they'll respond to that text this way. Some people will read this promise, they'll be like, you know, it's just really hard for me to believe. I've asked and asked and asked for things, and I just haven't seen God answer it the way I've asked. And where is God in the midst of all of this? You know, there's others who hear this, and their heart fills with hope, and hope for the Christian journey that God's called us to live. So turn to Matthew chapter 7. I want to kind of work through and think, how do we respond, and how do we understand this promise of ask, seek, and knock? Because as we begin the new year, we all have things we'd like to see happen in our lives, in the lives of people around us, in the life of the body here at Gateway. And what's the role of prayer in all that? How do we approach having these needs met? So as you turn to Matthew 7, let me just give you a word of caution first. This is a passage that gets very twisted in popular Christian literature. And so if you pick up books on prayer at Christian bookstores and things, you're going to find all sorts of misapplications of this particular text. People who will say things like one author took this text and said, listen, God is up in heaven waiting on your orders for how to run his universe. And that's how they would apply this text. And that's unfortunately become very popular. I've seen other authors say things like, God binds us up unequivocally to always answer every prayer in the way you ask it. There's no fine print. God will always do everything you ask in the way you ask it. And this teaching becomes very popular in modern evangelical thought. There's one very popular author that some of us have probably even read. And he actually takes this text and actually says to the effect of this, that even if you ask for something that God knows is bad for you, God's still bound to answer the prayer the way you ask it. God shakes his head up in heaven going, no, I know that's bad for them, but I guess I have to do it anyway. And so there's all sorts of misapplications coming out of Matthew 7. The problem with all this is it gives us the wrong hope. It gives us the promise that this text does not intend. But worse than that, that type of application of Matthew 7 causes us to miss the real hope. And the real promise that you and I need as we begin 2017, because there's an amazing truth in this text that can help us as we approach this, this new year. Because Matthew 7 is a lot more than having my dreams fulfilled. It's about what I need for the Christian journey Christ has called me to this day. So as you look at Matthew 7, realize that this is more about God than about us. We have a danger and temptation when we look at Scripture to look at about how does this affect me. In this, and we've kind of put ourselves as the main character in the story. But as we'll see in the weeks to come, especially on Wednesday nights, God is the main character, not us. So Matthew 7 is a lot more about God than it is about you and me. And it's a lot more about God granting than it is you and me asking on this. What's the context we're looking at this morning? This is in the Sermon on the Mount. It goes all the way back to the beginning in Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus sees the crowds, he goes up on the mountain and he sits down and his disciples come to him. And it begins the familiar text of blessed and he gives all these, these blessings and so this is the context of where this is happening. After we get the blessed bees of the Beatitudes, we get to this ethic of how Christians are supposed to live, how followers of Christ are to live. And it's a challenging teaching Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount. 
We get to the right before this in Matthew 6, we get what we often call the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps better should be called the model prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's all the immediate context before we get to ask, seek, and knock. And so understand that context as we get to this. So I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 7. Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. The words are on the screen. You can find it in your Bible or on your Bible app or just listen along. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for your revealed word to us. Thank you, God, that you've not left us in the dark wondering who you are, wondering who we are, wondering how we approach you. Thank you for showing us these things in your word. And I pray this morning that Matthew 7 would come alive to us. The Holy Spirit, you would open all of our hearts and minds to understand your truth of your word for us this day, that it might change us, not just for today, but for all this year ahead. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as as we approach Matthew chapter 7, there is one point I want you to see, one main takeaway that we'll see and we'll kind of unpack through this text. And that's simply this, is that when we, as God's children, pray, when we pray, God answers. And gives the hope and help needed. When we pray, God answers and gives the hope and help needed. And friends, we need that. The Christian life can be difficult. As I mentioned, this is in the context of Sermon on the Mount. Right before we get to this promise right here, Jesus has told us we're to be meek. We're to be merciful. We're to be pure in heart. We're to be peacemakers. We're to be light for others. We're not to hate. We're not to look lustfully. We're not to resist evil people. We're to love our enemies. We're to get to needy. We're to forgive. We're to pray. We're to fast. We're to live with heaven of you. And we're not to be anxious on top of all that. And guess what? We do that in the context of a world that hates us. That's the context where Matthew 7 comes from. And if we see that, we look at it and we go, but I can't do that. Exactly. The whole Sermon on the Mount is bringing us to the end of ourselves that we cannot in our own strength live this way. How do we find help? How do we find hope to live out what Christ has just commanded us to do? And the answer is simply to ask, seek, and knock. Because when we ask, when we pray, when we seek, when we knock, God answers and gives us the hope. And the help that we need. So what do we learn about prayer? Let's start with the whole idea. This is, this is about prayer. So look back at verse 7. Verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Then in verse 8. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks it will be opened. So all these words, ask, seek, and knock, these are all references to prayer. Some people try to differentiate different types of prayer. I just really see these as just differing terms to help us understand this is prayer. This is what we're supposed to be doing, asking, seeking, and knocking. And friends, this is an incredible invitation. We talked about through the Advent season that Christ had come, the eternal King has come, and the eternal King is now telling us, come to me, ask of me, seek, knock. We have an invitation from the Creator of the world to ask, to seek, and to knock. And what an invitation that is. But friends, it's not only an invitation, it's a command here. In the Greek, these words, ask, seek, and knock, are actually imperatives. They're emphatic. So not only does Jesus invite us to ask and seek and knock, he commands us to ask, to seek, to knock. This is not an option in the life of a believer. This is what a normal Christian life should look like. It's what God requires of us. 
But even more than that, these words asking, seeking, and knocking, in the Greek, they're in the present tense. That means their ongoing action. And so perhaps a more literal way to read this would be ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. So the invitation from the Lord is not just pray about it one time and be done and go about your merry way. The invitation from the Lord is you pray and you keep on praying. You seek and you keep on seeking. You knock, you keep on knocking. You ask, you keep on asking. Again, it's not just an invitation. It's a command. This is how we are to live. We're to pray and to keep on praying. And it's for all of us. I've noticed in verse 8, for everyone. Friends, this is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount to the disciples. So everyone who is a child of God, everyone who knows the Lord, we have an invitation and we have a command to pray and to keep on praying. So we, we learn about prayer. We also learn a lot about God here. Because, friends, how we pray or how we don't pray shows a lot about our theology of God. And our theology of God drives a lot of how we pray. So that's one reason this spring and in the summer we're going to start looking at attributes of God. Because what we understand about the character of God is going to change our daily prayer life and what we do about that. And so, like I mentioned earlier, Matthew 7 is not really about us. It's about God. It's less about asking, more about God giving, less about our persistence, and more about the Father. So what do you learn about the Father here? What do you learn about God in this? I think you see two things in this text. One, that he's a good Father. And second of all, that he answers. So look at that. Back in verse 11. In verse 11. Let's see what we learn about God here. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Well, the word here for Father is the Greek word pater, and the Aramaic is translated Abba. Sometimes you'll hear us use that word. This is the word that's translated Abba or Pater. And this is the word that's used all throughout Matthew here because it speaks about God's character on this. It's actually a word that was used by Jewish children. It's interesting because the Jewish children use this word not only for their own biological fathers, but for other adult men in their lives. Because this, this term, you know, we hear the word Abba and we think of the affectionate part of it. And that's part of it. This term carried with it two things. It carried with it some type of affection, some type of, you know, just relational component to it. But it also carried with it great respect, admiration, reverence, if you will, on that. And so it's a term, Abba is not just a casual term, it's a term that meant both affection and respect. It recognized both a father's authority and a father's love. And if we understand that, that obviously affects how we pray. I mean, think about in the earthly realm. If you see a family, and you watch families, you see them in restaurants, you see them in your neighborhood, you have families. If you have a father, and the father is a tyrant... He is, he's all about his authority, and there's no compassion, there's no relationship component with his kids. He's just a dictator of the family, if you will. His kids are terrified to ask him things. If there's no connection there, there's no affection, the kids are terrified to ask him of anything. Well, the flip side of that, what about the family to where the dad is a pushover? He just so wants to be buddy-buddy with all of his kids. He has no authority, no, no rule, if you will, over his family. He just gives his kids everything they want. Well, what are those kids like? They're not afraid to ask. They feel like they're the boss, the center of the universe, and they're the spoiled rotten brats, right, who get everything they want to, and it shows in their character. But when you have the father who has authority, parental authority, but affection for his kids, and that gets meshed together, those kids have a healthy respect in, in that situation. How much more so in the heavenly realm? I love it. Theologian D.A. Carson said, A child with the kind, gentle, and firm father does not fear to ask him for things, but deep down he enjoys the assurance that his father will not give him something which greater wisdom and experience assesses as not in the child's best interest. Isn't that what it's supposed to be? A, a, a kid who's got a father 
who is kind and gentle and loves his child but is still firm. That child's not afraid to approach his earthly father to ask for things, but he trusts his father knows best. And how much more so in the heavenly realm with our heavenly father who is holy, who is righteous, who is firm, who sets the standard, but who also loves us with a great affection, shows mercy to us and invites us to ask, to seek, and to knock. And this father, when we approach him, he does answer. Listen as I reread this text and listen for all the, the references to answers and the keyword receive the keyword give here. So listen to this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock can be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask of him? Friends, our good Heavenly Father delights in answering prayer. He delights in giving here, as we see throughout this text. All these references to giving, these are, these are passive. Ask and it will be given to you. It doesn't say ask and then try to make it happen. It's a gift from God. It doesn't say seek and you go try to find. You seek and God is the one who gives it to you. Knock and God is the one who opens it for you. You ask, God gives. The answers are a gift. We don't have to make them work. Which leads us to the fundamental question where this text gets misapplied so often. Does God always give us everything we want in the way that we ask for it? Well, again, if we look at the earthly realm, what father is going to give their child everything they ask for? I don't know about you if you're parents, but if you're like our family, if I let my boys get everything they ask for, we'd eat nothing but chocolate chip cookies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We would never clean up toys so you would have a tripping hazard throughout my entire house. And we would never go to the doctor because doctors are evil, right? I mean, if we let our kids rule the world, I mean, that's what our house would be like. Why? Because our kids don't have the wisdom that we have. How much more so do we not have the wisdom that our Heavenly Father has? God knows best, and can we trust Him in that? And the answer is absolutely yes. One thing that's so interesting in this is do we get what we always ask for? This is where our English translations do us a little injustice. Back in the verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. The word it does not appear in the Greek language when this is originally written. It's something our translators added for clarity, but it's not there. It doesn't. So when we read the word it, we kind of assume that if I ask God for the new car, it is the new car I get. Just like my kids, if I ask for chocolate chip cookies for dinner, it is the chocolate chip cookies I'm going to get. That's not what the text says. The text literally in the Greek reads, "Ask and you ask and it, it, sorry, ask and be given, seek and find, knock and be opened." The word "it" does not appear in there. Basically, what it says is, "You ask and God's going to give something. You knock and something will be open for you." But there's not a promise of an "it" that we're going to necessarily get the very thing for which we ask. Again, our English does us a little disservice on that one. But is this not consistent with the Lord's prayer? Jesus just taught us in the Lord's prayer how to pray. And we don't say in the Lord's Prayer, God, my kingdom come, my will be done today in earth as it is in heaven. We don't pray that. Matthew 7 is tied directly to the Lord's Prayer here in this. And we're praying, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I'm going to ask him to seek him and knock. And this is my best limited understanding of how I like to see things work. But God, I trust you, your ways are bigger, your ways are higher. And so your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. And friends, do we really want a God who's going to do everything just like we ask? That could be a really scary world, couldn't it? And a really dangerous place for us. 
Ecclesiastes 6.12 says, Who knows what is good for man? And friends, I certainly don't know what's best even for me, much less for my family, much less for Gateway or our country or the world. And to presume upon God and say, God, here's how you need to run your universe. You better wait for me to tell you is really presumptuous here. I love what John Piper says. He says, We do not get everything we ask for, and we should not, and we would not want to. The reason I say we should not is because we would, in effect, become God if God did everything we ask him to do. We should not be God. God should be God. And the reason I say that we would not want to get everything we ask for is because we would then have to bear the burden of infinite wisdom, which we do not have. We simply do not know enough to infallibly decide how every decision will turn out and what the next event in our lives, let alone in history, should be. And so, friends, we serve a God where we don't have to carry that burden of knowing everything. We can trust him. He invites us to ask, to seek, and to knock. And he promises to answer. We don't ask us something and he just ignores us. He answers. But he's going to answer as a good heavenly father of what is best for us and for his glory. And praise God we don't have to carry the burden of figuring that out on our own. Praise God we have the promises of Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good. The promise of James 1 that we can find joy in the trials because God is using them for us. And so friends, when we ask God's children pray, we can trust him because he will answer and he will give us the hope and the help that we need. He may not give us what we ask for exactly, but he's going to give us what we need. So what's this hope and help that we need that I keep mentioning here on this? Well, I want you to listen because, you know, when Jesus taught, he would teach some things in different settings. And so he actually taught this teaching on prayer in a different setting. And Luke records this other one for us. And it reads slightly different when Jesus taught it this other time. And I want you to listen. There's two things that are different. One is minor, but one is, I think, very explanatory to us of what is the hope and help that God promises to give. So if you want to turn there, or you can listen either way. It's so Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to read from verses 9 through 13. It's going to sound very familiar. But listen to it. There's a big change at the very end. So be listening for what the big change is, okay? So Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Ask, sorry, and I tell you, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it'll be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks will be opened. Okay, sounds the same so far, right? Now, listen to what Jesus says in this. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead, give, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Okay, so slightly different teaching, but same idea right there. But here's the big one. Listen for Listen to verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what is the hope and the help that Matthew 7 actually promises us? Is he the Holy Spirit? That when we pray, God will always answer. And he will give us the hope and help we need. And that is always he, the Holy Spirit. Third person of the Trinity who comes to dwell within us. We always can receive the Holy Spirit. And so when we, when we pray, when we ask, when we seek, when we knock, when we ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, God will answer and God will give us his Holy Spirit to give us the hope and help. And it doesn't mean that he's not going to give us other things as well, but he will always give us the hope and the help we need. He will always give us the Holy Spirit, which is what Ephesians 5.18 tells us. Commands us, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've studied Ephesians 5 before, you know that command to be filled is a command, but like asking and knock, it's passive. You can't make it happen. It has to be done 
for you. Just like this, ask and it will be given to you. You, will, you ask and something has to be given to you. In Ephesians 5, you seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but God has to give the Holy Spirit to you. It's His gift. And so we daily seek, we daily ask and keep on asking, knocking, keep on knocking, seeking, keep on seeking, and trust that God will fill us with His Holy Spirit. And friends, that is better than any material promise we can have. So what, what do we do with this? What, what does this text really mean for you and I on a daily, individual basis? Well, it does mean there's some things we can always pray, and God will always answer them. And we're going to do some of this Wednesday night, so I hope you'll come back Wednesday night when we have a corporate prayer time. But we can always pray to know God. If we pray and say, God, sh- reveal yourself to me, show me who you are, God will always answer that prayer in the way we ask. God does not hide himself from us. And so when we pray, we ask and keep on asking, we seek and keep on seeking, knocking, keep on knocking, saying, God, show yourself to me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit that I might know you, understand you, understand your word. God will always answer that prayer in that way. How about prayers to walk in holiness? Again, we look at the, the Sermon on the Mount here, and he's told us, like I mentioned earlier, we're to be meek and merciful and pure in heart and peacemakers and light for others and not hate others and not look lustfully and not resist evil people and love our enemies and give to the needy and forgive and pray and fast and live for heaven and not be anxious. Friends, we can't do that on our own. We need grace. We need the gospel. And so we go to the Lord going, Lord, I'm looking at this and I'm going, I can't do this. I'm on strength. Help. God gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the hope and the help we need to be meek and merciful and pure in heart and peacemakers and light and love others and not look lustfully, not resist evil people and love our enemies and give to the needy and forgive and pray and fast and live for heaven and not be anxious. He, the Holy Spirit, will come and dwell within us and fill us that we might live for the Lord that way. But also we pray for basic life needs. God answers those as well. And we're going to talk more about all this Wednesday night. We're going to use this as kind of a guide. And so Wednesday night as we gather together, we're going to pray for ourselves and for one another in our smaller groups and for the church as a whole that we might know God more this year, that we might walk in holiness this year, that God might show himself strong as he meets our needs this year. So we're going to talk more about this. I hope you'll come back for that. But where does that leave us, besides corporately praying for these things, where does that leave us individually? And that leaves us when we start 2017 with a reminder and a promise that this is not a quick get-rich promise. In 2017, I'm going to claim this and I'm going to get rich this year because God told me if I ask. Well, no. What this is a promise for is, friends, as we seek to know God more this year, as we seek to walk in holiness this year, as we seek to live as a light in this dark world this year, and we realize we can't do it in our strength, we ask. And keep on asking. We seek and keep on seeking. We knock and keep on knocking. And God, my friends, has promised to answer those prayers. And God has promised to fill us with his Holy Spirit that we might do these things to which he has called us to do. And friends, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit to live out the ethic of the Sermon on the Mount is real hope. And a real wonder. And something even better than any material request we could ask the Lord to do this year. And so the question for us is, are we experiencing that? And that's why we're going to join together on Wednesday night to pray for it corporately and for one another, that this might be what God would do in our midst as a congregation in our lives individually this year. But beyond Wednesday night, there's opportunities. Every Sunday morning, starting next, we're going to start back an 8 a.m. prayer meeting. It's been a group of people who started praying on Sunday mornings, especially when y'all were looking for a pastor, began to, to meet and seek the Lord's face on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. And that group has still been going on. And that group's going to keep going this next Sunday and start back for the New Year. So I'd encourage you, there's two opportunities, even in the next week, to gather corporately to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. Next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock and next Sunday morning, 
at 8 a.m. But what about individually between you and the Lord? As you begin 2017, will this be your resolve for the new year? We, we all make New Year's, or a lot of people make New Year's resolutions, and most don't last very long. That's why you go look at the gym tomorrow versus look at the gym in March, right? You know, all these people set these New Year's resolutions, and they just all kind of fade. But this year, will we be, make it a point to, to cry out, not just to pray at the beginning of the year, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit that I might live for you this year and be done. But are we going to ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, that we might experience throughout this whole year the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that we might experience throughout this year the goodness of God in all things. And friends, can we come away from this also realizing that God invites us to bring every request before him. If you're concerned about a car or a house or a job, whatever else, God invites us to bring those requests before him. We're told later in the Bible to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, to make our requests known to God. So God tells us, anything you're concerned about, ask. I mean, he invites us to do that. But again, he's a good heavenly father. He knows what is best for us. He knows what's best in the scope of redemptive history, and he's going to do what's best. He may not do it always like we ask, but he will, every time you pray, give you the hope and help you need that Matthew 7 promises of the gift of the Holy Spirit. So my prayer for you, my prayer for us as a body this year, is as we go throughout 2017, we will be a people marked by, who are marked and known for seeking after the Lord, for asking, for seeking, for knocking, of people who seek the Lord daily, who seek the fullness of the Holy Spirit in lives, who seek to love God. And may God give us grace for this task as we begin the new year. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we are thankful that you are a good Father, that you are a good, good Father. God, that you have infinite wisdom. God, and when we bring our request to you, you know what is best. God, would you give us grace this year We might be patient to wait on you for the answers Grace to accept answers that are perhaps not the ones that we in our very finite, limited wisdom wanted for ourselves. But may we trust you knowing that you are good, that you love us. And God, may we rejoice not only today, but in the weeks and months to come, God, knowing that you invite us to your throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in our time. And may we rejoice in the fact that you invite us and you command us to ask and to seek and to knock. And God, may we not take that lightly. Father, to realize that the King of the universe has invited us into His very presence, that we might know You more and bring our requests before You. So God, would You give us grace this year to be a people here at Gateway, individually and in our families, who are marked by seeking You. And Lord, I pray it would not just be a one-time thing, but it would be an ongoing daily pattern of our lives, that we might be daily seeking after You, daily longing to know You more. And God, would You stir our hearts afresh for this new year, that we might ask, seek, and knock, Lord, I pray as we do that, that you would give us the hope and the help we need. You would give us the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray as well, knowing that, Lord, you, can, you know what's best, and we defer to your will. Lord, I pray this year for myself and for these brothers and sisters here, that, God, that you would show us a supernatural answer to prayer. Prayers that will just let us see how big you are. That will just blow us away with your greatness and seeing you move in ways to, to do things that we can never make happen. God, I'm thankful that we don't have to ask and then try to make things happen that we don't have to seek and then try to find the way ourselves, that we don't have to knock and then try to push open that door ourselves. But God, that you do, do those things for us. And so, Lord, this day, would you stir our hearts afresh of those things? Would you this day just work in our hearts? Lord, I pray for these brothers and sisters. Lord, I know there's many burdens people have. Lord, I pray this day that they would bring those burdens before you. 
where they would no longer be anxious about them, or whether it's health-related or job-related or family member-related or something totally different. God, I pray they would come confidently before the throne of grace, knowing as your child, you as a good Heavenly Father invite them into your presence. And I pray that perhaps today stuff that they've set aside asking because they've lost hope in, they might start asking again and keep on asking. Or if there's some need they have that they're needing to see met, God, I pray this day they might start knocking and seeking and asking on that. And God, I pray you would flood their hearts with your help and with your hope. And God, we pray again that you might give supernatural answers to those prayers, that their faith might be strengthened. Lord, I might be able to even rejoice together on Wednesday night as we gather to pray and seek you together. Lord, if knowing even in these last several days that transpire between now and Wednesday how you have already been moving. So Lord, would you give us a holy discontentment for where we are in prayer right now? Or would you let us see your glory, just a greater glimpse of it, that we might long for you more, we might realize what an invitation we have. And you tell us to ask, seek, and knock. And Lord, might you be glorified because of it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you